With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning and welcome to an Arsenal opinion part. No, sorry, got to start that again. I fucked it up. <laughs> you had one job. Oh, one job. job. Mirror man, mirror man. You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good evening and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am joined by the one, the only, it's Johnny Cochran. How you doing, Johnny? Yeah, I'm real good, to be fair. I feel like I'm going to have to, well, between us, we're going to have to do the job of free men because a man like Matt Candela is in the ground, Pete. He's in the ground. And I'm pretty sure, I can't verify this, but I'm pretty sure he was holding up little placards like the guy out of Love Actually towards uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, like, you to me are everything, you complete me and stuff, trying to get his attention. But I don't know. All that we do know is that when man like Matt Kendella is in the Emirates, Emil Smith-Rowe says, yes, please. Yes, please. I'm all souped up and I bang goals. What's going on? Outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Um, Matt, Matt definitely snuck down the tolly. He was like, oh, I'm a YouTuber now. I go and hang out in the tolly with the media people (laughs) is an embarrassment. He actually used to live right next to the tolly uh, uh, way back when. So uh, I hope Matt's having a good time. Maybe he'll dial in wasted um, a little bit later because I'm sure he's celebrating like we are. Um, Johnny, let's just get right into the hottest of takes. How are you feeling after that win? And what does this window? We won't talk about what it means for top four. Just how are you feeling? Let's get some of those feelings out in the open. Well, it's time for a hot take, and I'm feeling hot, hot Whoa. under the collar. I am all, all kinds of excited about what I've seen. And I'll tell you what, there's a number of things that we're going to break down over the course of this hour. But my initial thing is this. No one who listens to this podcast would question the fact that I have a bit of a love affair, if I do have one, with Saka. I think he is the best player on our team overall. And... The first half I found incredibly frustrating because what he does is he consistently terrorises defenders. Rico Henry on toast. Anyone want it today? He he was scared, petrified. But what we're talking about is 
because of the nature of our squad, because of the, what we didn't do in January in terms of uh, additions from an attacking unit, we're left in a situation where our big players, and Saka is a massive player to us, have to deliver. It's no longer good enough, considering how we, our team is constituted, for Saka to only be good. He needs to be the difference. And 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 I use that quote for the likes of Smith Rowe and Martinelli as well. And the reason why I'm so gassed is because that is what they were today. They were the difference. There were some great performances all over the field, but we just can't have people doing nice tick attack of football around the edge of the box. And when it comes down to it, bottling it. That's what we can't do. That is not going to see us get over the line in this race. But when the chips were down, when we needed something to beat a Brentford team who were beaten all hands down today, the big boys from Hale End stepped up and said, whack, whack, don't even dive, Raya. It's over for you. You're not good enough. The first game of the season was an aberration. Guess what? You're in a rally scrap and we wake up. I'm not even talking about top four. Chelsea, did you get a win in the end? Did they get a win? I think they, I think they went one nil up quite late on. Oh, that's uh, a shame. Don't matter anyway. Don't look convincing to me. I'm starting to think now that third's on. Third's on? Third's on. That's my hottest of takes. But there's so much to talk about. I'm very excited. Oh, Johnny, that was that that was a third degree burn of a hot take. Third degree burn of a hot take. I'm I'm I need to take my jumper off. Uh, yeah, listen. Uh, you know what my hot take was? Doing the business when you need to do the business. Brentford, fifth worst defense in the league, caused us problems at the start of the season. There was that kind of narrative. There's always there's always a team that does a double over us. Wolves did it last year. They didn't really deserve it, but we let it happen to us. And I was a little bit concerned um, that maybe Brentford would be that team for us today. But right from the off, after nine days, nine days out is sometimes problematic for Arsenal because we get a little bit sluggish and we start slowly out the traps, controlling the game. And I, I, I'm, I'm completely with you. Saka deserved that goal because he, he was such a problem in the first half. That ball, that over-the-shoulder ball that he brought down, unbelievable. Um, like, sort of... Uh, moving between players that were on the floor like soldiers that have been downed in in a world war or something spectacular and and, and to finish a game off like that was so important because in the Premier League one goal is never enough one goal is never enough and um, you know we saw that right at the end thank the Lord that that came right at the end and not in the 70th minute but we've got 15 games left Johnny 15 games left and we are right in the mixer for top four so before we get into all of the positivity I am going to start on a negative because um, the referee issue. I mean, I've got moss rage right now. <laughs> I've got moss rage. Firstly, I don't mean to be rude, but that man does not look like he is at, at the peak of physical fitness. Uh, he's never anywhere near the ball. And he was awful today. You know, like um, it kind of felt like the referees have heard the criticism about Arsenal and they said, listen, no one's going to pressure us into treating Arsenal like we treat everybody else. So have some of that. Five, you know, there were four or five decisions in that first half that were marginal decisions and we didn't get one. The handball where he threw his elbow up. You know, like, how, how are we not getting these? Johnny, what, what do you make of this? Is this a conspiracy or just a low level of referees and this is just, this is just consistency from them? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think... Those two issues, um, whilst seemingly connected, have to be taken in isolation, a.k.a. 
John Mossy's performance today? And is there an overall refereeing agenda? And not that, you know, agenda makes it seem like it's much more of a conscious bias, like they've all sat down at the referee commune that we all think that they have, like an eyes wide shut meeting where Michael Oliver takes the lead, you know, and they probably sacrifice a rabbit or, or, or some small animal to the Premier League gods, um, you know, and they've come together and on their minute to their meeting, it's let screw Arsenal over. I'm not necessarily sure that's how it goes. We were tweeting, I think both of us were talking about uh, uh, in the week about the uh, um, the refereeing table, the table basically of Premier League teams and how long they, how many fouls they have to go before getting red cards. And for me, I thought that that it makes really, really poor reading for the referees because I think that you can have you know small margins of error. There are small discrepancies where you know if we were kind of near to the pack, but even if we we're at the top. You have to look at the fact that, which is a legitimate issue, by the way, we have a lot of numpties in our team who haven't exactly, we've talked you know, long and hard about not perfecting the dark arts. Sometimes it's just naive play that makes it easy for referees to do stupid things on us. You know, uh, Xhaka obviously is the main man there, but we've seen it from Gabriel. We've seen it from the likes of Pepe, loads of people um, over that time. And so I think there's a little bit of both, but I think that those, those numbers seems so egregious that there has to be, again, not necessarily a conscious effort made by all the referees to punish us, but sometimes the name travels further than the face. And I think that there is a perception of Arsenal from referees and certain players that make us easy to bully. And I think that what we're trying to do is snap out of that and show that we are no longer a team to be taken the piss out of. And I like it. And I do like it. And I think that we're seeing some teething problems. But overall, I like the way that we're starting to move as a club. When we talk about John Moss today, I, I'm not even talking about him overall of whether he is particularly the best ref or not. I didn't think it was crazy because some of the decisions that you're talking about, i.e. the penalty where or, or that wasn't given with the arm in the air, that is surely where VAR has to be picking it up. Because... It's hard for a referee to see a player sliding in with his elbow in the air and look and go, I'll give that. And we also know that the new agenda of referees is to, you know, sometimes not give these things, knowing that they have the safety net of VAR to back them up. What What is more concerning is not necessarily always the on-field performances from the referees. Anyone can have bad days. But it's the fact that VAR seems to constantly... Not, I don't know where VAR is located. I think it's somewhere around the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. You know, maybe Daniel Levy's in there going, no, not for me. You know, that's that's where I have an issue, where these guys are getting two or three looks at it. I thought that had every right of being given a penalty. Um, but overall, I didn't think John Moss, you know, was necessarily going to cost us the game. I didn't think he, you know, had an amazing game. I didn't think it was as bad as some of the referee performances I've seen. But overall, I do think that um, there seems to there seems to be a bunch of referees, including VAR, and the way that we're being officiated that are let, letting us down. And I think everyone should continue to call it out until we start getting a bit more fairer treatment. Yeah, uh, it's um, it, it's good news the the Premier League is finally admitting that there's a referee problem and that they're going to do something about it at a grassroots level. Uh, and the, the the overarching thing for me with referees is there's no accountability for anything. 
And it, it, if it doesn't matter how you perform, it doesn't matter who you roll out. I mean, the idea that there hasn't been a black or an Asian referee in the Premier League for 10 years. Since you Uriah Rene, yeah. I mean, that, that, that on any level is disgraceful. And that just, you know, that just goes to show. And it's, uh, it's a boys club. It's, it's a boys club run by um, inept people. And the output is that someone as unfit as John Moss um, and immobile as John Moss can manage a game. And, and, and I, know that, I know that sounds unfair and I know that that sounds ageist, but part of the job is to be able to keep up with young players. And he looks very, very out of shape and he's never in a good position. And, you know, it showed today. Um, but yeah, and, and more to the point, you know, the, the, the biggest nail in the coffin for referees was when you get given technology and you still can't do the job, there's a, there's, there's, there's a systemic issue. There's a systemic issue and it needs to be rooted out. And I honestly can't wait until they start bringing in a new breed of referee, uh, younger, more dynamic, you know, maybe some referees that used to be ex-footballers. I know that in a lot of other sports, it's, it, you know, it's people that have played the game to a really high level and they understand the cuteness of Mane and what he does. Um, and they understand the flying elbow and that it isn't actually natural to throw up an elbow when you're turning your back. Um, but it is what it is. Do you know what I loved about it? Um, and I'm, I'm going to write out this um, uh, this banner right now while we're talking. The thing that I loved about today is we didn't allow ourselves to be victims. The best way to deal with inept referees is to play through it. And we played through it. There's no feeling sorry for ourselves. The players are almost laughing at the decisions <laughs> at one point. And I think that, that that's, um, that's, you know, Arteta has done a really good job there. You know, he always says, we're not here to make excuses. Like, am I happy with the referees? No, but we don't make excuses. We get out there. And I Wenger teams really did this. You know, if, if a few decisions went out, you know, went against us, the petulance would creep in, the focus would get lost, and, you know, we'd end up getting rolled in a game like today. But sheer focus today, there was a real force of personality out there on the pitch, and, and referees aren't going to get in our way this season. And, uh, and that's the second game in a row where we've not let a ref get in the way. But now, why don't we move into something a little bit more positive? And a subject I know is dear to your heart, John. Can you give me a little bit of uh, a loving for Martin Erdegaard? Um, I think um, my, my new YouTube friend, Sharky, uh, he's got a very big YouTube channel. It's very good. Uh, he, he made a really good point. He said, when Erdegaard plays well, Arsenal play well. And it really, it really does feel as simple as that. Um, he, he, had a, he put a ball onto his right foot and whipped in a cross today. That was dirty. That was dirty. That got me excited. Like he is, uh, he's a leader out there. Uh, he's, got, he's got a lot more flair. I don't think you can call him a boring player. And he just, he's just like a metronome. In that squad, never stops working. He's he's got that chip on his shoulder from Real Madrid, and he's starting to feel like, dare I say, starting to feel like a sort of captain esque type player. Johnny, what did you make of Martin Odegaard? You know what? Look, you've you, you've led it in and, and set it up beautifully there because I think that we won't be the only Arsenal fans witnessing this. Uh, what Odegaard's starting to do, he looks class. He looks really, really good. One of the things that we all saw in the first half was. Kind of a bit more of a symbiotic relationship with him and Saka. They just know what each other's doing. And let's be honest, right? It doesn't matter what level of uh, football you've been playing at. 
when you play on a football team, you quickly work out who the best players are. <laughs> if you are one of the best players, some, sometimes you work out you're one of the shittest players and you just keep, keep, your, keep your head down. You know what I mean? Clip down the channels. That's all you're going to do. But when you are one of the better players on the team, you work out who the other better players are. And naturally, you start to play in and You know, hopefully it's not just those two playing on their own, but they start to play off each other. Because when you play the ball into someone, you know you're going to get it back or you know they're going to do something good. And Erdegaard is starting to flourish into a player that I'd hoped he'd become, but I wasn't sure he ever would. He is, again, it's interesting that you say it like that, because I, I see it like this as well. He is taking his experience from playing at Real Madrid, and all of that hype that was built around him of being one of the most prestigious young players in Europe when he was signed for Real Madrid. And of course... He is going to have a chip on his shoulder about that and saying, you know what, you know, I'm now, I've had to move on from Real Madrid. I was playing at, you know, Espanyol or someone. Uh, Real Sociedad. Year. Sociedad, exactly. It doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? It's a B-level team in La Liga. Doesn't oh, really matter. Fr- I've got a lot of Sociedad friends and they're oh, like, uh, it's uh, a big hipster <laughs> one. They're going to be out for you. They're going to be worse than the Pepe fans. Okay. okay. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's not, that's not a, that's not an Arsenal. That's nowhere near an Arsenal level no, team. Exactly. Yeah. And and obviously Erdegaard now is now at a club that is, of course, not as prestigious as Real Madrid, but we're a big club and it is time for him to it, you know, it's forking the road time for Erdegaard in terms of whether he's gonna become an elite top player in Europe like he was meant to. And I think he looks like a player who unlike some players, when things don't start going their way in their career, their head starts to drop. They start to, you know, start to believe that maybe it's not going to work out for him. He looks like he's got the bit between his teeth, like he's determined to prove that he is going to be a top player. And you're right. He's starting to lead the team. He always looks for the ball. He wants the ball into feet. He can find cute passes. I love the way that he is, you know, a, a lot braver with the way that he plays. He shows courage. And I thought... You know, the, the lowest part of his game, he had a great opportunity in the second half. And I'd like to see more, you know, more of a clinical edge when he's in on goal. Because if you yeah. are going to play in that 10 role for us, we, there's a dearth of goals in this team. We know that. We've got a striker who can't score. You are going to have to chip in this year, mate. You know what I mean? We are going to need to see you score. So I'd like to see him be more decisive in front of goal. But the way that he is now knitting together our play is excellent. And I am so encouraged and excited by what I'm seeing from Erdegaard. I think he's been fantastic. Yeah, and I, I, I think the the Real Madrid part really is important because he kind he kind of got a little bit of a bad reputation when he first moved to Madrid because he demanded that he train with the first team. Florentino Perez really liked him. Carlo Ancelotti didn't really. Uh, gravitate towards him. Zidane didn't, you know, sort of like similar roles and nobody can be as good as Zinedine Zidane. And I I had a little bit of a concern that, you know, Erdegaard would come to Arsenal and he'd be a bit like the sort of rich kid in the school playground. You know, people wouldn't really warm to him, think you're Mr. Madrid, do you? But he's so grounded uh, in intelligent and um, humble I mean, he seems he seems like quite a, a quiet person, but for you know, from everything I understand, they love him behind the scenes. Um, he will be a front runner for the captain's armband next season, and he's doing his talking on the pitch. Deleted social media at the start of the season when he was getting a lot of flack from uh, from the, the teenage you know the teenage weirdos. 
on the internet. And now you look at it and you say, all right, what was the choice? James Madison for 65 million pounds or Martin Odegaard for 35 million. And it's not even close for me. Not not even close. I mean, I like James Madison and I, I wouldn't have been unhappy with the signing, but the for, for overall impact and the character that we're trying to build into this squad, he looks absolutely spot on. Yeah, I mean, I you know, we talked about it in the summer and I was all for Madison, but I was happy to cut my losses when the numbers started to appear. You know, James Madison was never going to be worth double what Erdegaard was. You know, and so I said, I thought Erdegaard was a smart signing for the price we were about to get him at. I didn't know at that point that Erdegaard was... I thought Erdegaard was a good player. I didn't know that he was going to start to get to this uh, level. And certainly so quickly. He looks like he is on the cusp of being a big, big, big time player for us. Um, as I said, you know, Fabregaard in recent weeks, he has that air of sesk about him. And quite frankly, I think he's the kind of player, and this is what we're talking about when we talk about the way that this squad is getting put together and the vision of the club now. We need players that are not only good enough to get us where we want to go, you know, top four as a goal, is you can't take it in isolation. There's no point in us getting top four if we're just going to be shit in the Champions League next year and just get rolled out. Martin Odegaard is a Champions League player. And Saka and Martinelli and Smith-Rowe, these aren't just chump guys. They're going to come into that competition with, you know, an agenda to get things done. They, they, that's their prerogative, to show that they can play at the top level. And they're young enough to not only play at the, you know, with the current level that they're playing at, but also improve and, and cause a problem in that competition. That is what we want. It's not enough to just get in there. We want to be a problem when we arrive. And, and you know, I'm hopeful that we can be. And Johnny, that is exactly the um, the thought process behind the strategy of getting in Arsenal into the Champions League. If you load the team up with 28, 29-year-olds at the end of their career, when you get into the Champions League, you have to rebuild. And then you drop back down. The idea is once we get into the Champions League, these players will be near their prime. You know, 24, 25, 26 years old. I mean, I, I still can't get over how young Saka and Smith-Rowe are. And I do want to talk about Smith-Rowe. And I, it's a shit pun, but I, I like it. Emil Smith-Perez. You know, I, like Johnny, you and I uh, grew up on uh, Robert Perez. He was, he, it would have been part of our teenage years. And when the going got tough and Robert Perez was a season in, he would show up in games like today and just do the business. And Emil Smith-Rowe picking up that ball, coming back from, a, you know, a, a, a bit of a hip injury, just blitzed, blitzed through their defense and nestled it in the bottom corner. I mean, how, how good, he's our top, he's our top goal scorer. How, how good can Smith-Rowe get? Well, this, this is the thing as well. And, I, 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 is it, you know, you say Perez. I think I was the first one on this pod to actually draw that comparison. And, uh, you know, and I initially said at the time, you know, I think purely because of the number on his back, a lot of people were saying, oh, is he going to be like Burkamp? And I said, no, I, I actually think he's more of a Perez type player. But yeah, the key thing with Perez was that he could turn up and score big, big goals. And I remember so many times you know, in those iterations of the Arsenal teams with Henri as good, you know, the, the the main man, the legend. Even in games when Henri just wasn't at it and you just thought, like, he's he's never going to score today, Pires would step up and score massive goals. I remember a game when Henri was out again uh, when we were away at Aston Villa against Peter Schmeichel and you're sitting there thinking, where are the goals going to come from today? And Pires just went, 
God, I'm not one over the top. Don't worry about it. I'll take it down and just lob Schmeichel and show that I'm absolutely world class. This is that this is where Perez can uh, 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 Emil Smith Rowe can get to. This is you know uh, this is obviously a very big target, and he's nowhere near Bobby Perez status at this stage. He's a young player, but he's starting to give you glimpses that he can be. Listen. 10 goals at this stage of the season in the Premier League is no joke. It's it's very, very legit. You know, and what I've 20, been... 21. He's 21. Yeah, 21. It's, not, it's no joke. And what people need to get very realistic about, it has started to change over time. But, you know, previously, when we think about football, you need it. And, and Arsenal have been that way. We've been constructed in that way more so. And that is that our strikers are the main people that get you goals. We've been blessed with having some world-class strikers over the last, you know, 20 years. And so, and and they haven't shied away from getting that haul. But one of the things that we've seen at Man City, one of the things that we've seen at Liverpool, you know, Chelsea have flirted with it a bit, is that they can actually set up teams where their most prolific players, in terms of making a difference, are their wing attack players, to use the netball uh, <laughs> vocabulary. But... The fact is, this is why I'm saying it's. It, some people might say it's a bit unfair to look at players who are 20, 21, your Smith Rose, your Sackers, your Martinelli's, and be like, listen, we are going to need you to bang goals week in, not necessarily week in, week out, but you're talking about, you know, at the start of next season, 10, 15 goals from every one of you. But that is for the time where we're set up with a striker who is so profligate in front of goal. I'm sorry, but he can make you play better, but you are going to have to score. And I thought that today was so important for not only Smith Rowe, but also Saka, for their confidence to be able to say, no, no, we're better than people like Rico Henry. Let me put some work on him. You know what I mean? Whack. See that Saka goal? Whack. Don't dive. You're, you're making a fall out of yourself. And it's, it's a, it's a, honestly, it's about young players growing into that mantle of being the talisman of the team. And that is what they are. And I do think that... Both of those guys are going to need to get probably five each. I, what I think is more interesting in terms of a, a point of debate is as good as Martinelli's been, and it's a great problem to have, if Smith-Rowe comes in and starts banging goals, you're not getting in again, Martinelli. Go and sit on the bench for a while and you've done well. But that is the way it is because the, as much as the energy is you know infectious with Gabby, we need goals. And if you score goals, you're staying in this team. That is how we should do it. That It's just that simple. So... Fair play to Emil Smith-Rowe. You get your chance today through, you know, a, a silly sending off from Gabby, which shouldn't, you know, was obviously hard done by there. But he stepped up and when people were missing big chances, Smith-Rowe showed that he was going to take the responsibility on himself. Lovely little uh, dribble into the box and showed no doubt in front of go and that uh, in goal. And that is what I really love to see. The smith Oh, yeah. Oh, that's you a know. Pun. Oh, that's, a pun. that's a pun. That's a pun. Yeah. Another similarity he had with Robert Perez is both of them were six foot one. And you, you don't think that they're six foot one when you watch them on the pitch because of how they run. Um, yeah. he He's he's making a difference this season. I still remember when he made his debut and the Arsenal fans were saying, this is unfair. This isn't what you do to young players. And then he got the number 10 and people like, this isn't right. This is too much pressure on him. And then Arteta came out and said, you need to score goals this season. And people are like, this is unfair. Elite level athletes, the very best, want those challenges. 
they want to do it. They're hungry for it. And that's, and, and that's what absolutely blows my mind over and over again. And I don't want to harken on about my agenda this season. It's pretty obvious for all to see. But Antonio Conte has been my best friend this week because he's just doubling down on all the things that Arsenal fans are like, that's not right. It doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah, all right. Antonio Conte is out there saying Spurs want to go after young players. That doesn't help when you're trying to get back to the top. If, An- if Antonio Conte is saying it's really difficult to get a, get a turnout of young players, you've got to believe him. doesn't matter what I say. doesn't matter what you say, Johnny. Antonio Conte is one of the most winningest managers in the world, and he's saying young players is difficult. And I, I don't mean to say, oh, that's all about Arteta. I mean to say, what unbelievable talent we've got. Uh, you know, like Mo Salah hadn't even made it into Europe. Um, at the age Smith Rowe is, or barely, he was sort of like first season in. Um, you know, he he didn't get. I think I don't think he got back to the Premier League until he was 25 years old for the, you know the second time after Mourinho binned him. So, uh, Mane, I don't think he was at Southampton by 21 years old. You know, like people have got to put some context on just what these players are doing because it's 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 unbelievable. And that both of those finishes from Saka and Smith Rowe, precision. Absolute precision to do that in a high pressure game at home in front of the fans, just just unbelievable. So I want to um I want to shift out into uh presentation. Oh, here we oh, go. Oh, you know, if you're yeah. listening on the podcast, we're gonna get some slides up. Uh, Pete's so the... going all HR department on you again. Here oh, we go. Oh, you know it. Give us some projections, Pete. You know it. <laughs> uh so uh, listen, we're looking at the Premier League table at the moment. Uh Manchester City just absolutely crushing uh yeah. the, the league at the moment, six points ahead of Liverpool after 25 games. Chelsea scored in the 89th minute. Unconvincing, Johnny. I, yeah. I think Chelsea are unconvincing this season. The rock star that is Thomas Tuchel, I mean, I would be disappointed. You know, he's not really moved them on much this season. Um, but then you get into the mixer for top four. And we've got Man United uh, sitting in fourth at the moment. Played 25 games on 43 points. West Ham, they played 26 games now. And we are level points with West Ham. And we played 23 games. Yeah. So three, three games in hand on West Ham, two games in hand on United, who are one point clear of us. Yep. We can go two points behind Chelsea if we win our game in, in hand. And now, now, we're, now we're at the business end of the season. 15 games sounds a lot better than 16 games because it's chunks. It's five games at a time. Uh, it's, a, it's a cup final. Every single game, and I wanted to go on to the um, the next slide because then we can talk about um, fixtures. Yeah. Please uh, ignore the numbers if you're watching on the video, uh, but it is a huge game against Wolverhampton on on Thursday. They're a good team, like that. That you know they 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 put Spurs uh, in their place well and truly um, at, at the weekend. That that is no that is no way a given. I think that that's going to be that that's going to be the toughest game until we get to Liverpool. Um, then we've got a, an away game. Uh, we've got a bit of a break, so we just got to hope everybody comes back fit. Uh, we've got a bit of a break. Watford versus Arsenal away. Kind of, you know, it's not. There's not a lot of travel there, and I think people need to, you know, get that in their head. Like players can sleep in their own beds, don't have to go to a hotel. Oh, um, you can go up time and envy. In what I'm pretty sure that's still open in Watford or, or the latest iteration of a nightclub there. Yeah, it's it's very local. You know, Watford is down the road. It's down the road from me, to be fair. There's no there's no one, you know, having missed night sleep on the way to Watford. It is 
yeah, you, you're gonna you're gonna get a fierce atmosphere, and we should absolutely be going in there and giving them the goods. Hundred percent. Get, Al- get Albert Steibenberg on a on, on a long distance drone. Go and watch what uh, what, <laughs> what what Roy Hodgson is planning next door. Then we uh, then we have Arsenal versus Leicester. Uh, we, that that game's at home. Leicester haven't been very good this season. I don't think they've kept a clean sheet in about eighteen games. Uh, they they are they they've fallen back to you know where a team of, of their outlay should be. Brendan Rodgers under all sorts of pressure. So you'd expect a good result there. And then they've wedged they've the Premier League has wedged the Liverpool game. Uh, in a bit of a rough week on a, on a, on on the Sunday the thirteenth we've got Leicester on March sixteenth we've got Liverpool which is a Wednesday and then on Saturday we've got an early morning kickoff uh, with Stevie G's Aston Villa. Um, this is a pivotal run of games, Johnny. I mean, because I, I don't know about you, but I do feel like you know Arsenal are where we are this season because we've done really really well against teams we should do well against, and we didn't do that last season. We haven't yet won a cup final game. You know, like, I I wonder whether if we are going to get top four this season, we've got to do something against Liverpool, Chelsea or Spurs. I wanted to get your take on that. Right. So basically, this is how I see it in terms of what we're looking at. We need to win the next three games. And I don't really see why we can't. I'm, I'm I'm not out here, you know, trying to pat us on the back here because we've done very well to get where we are. But we've got to have the killer instinct. The microcosm of that is in games when you get big chances to not have doubt in your mind anymore. Like we saw Smith Rowe, Saka show in the second half to just put people to the sword. You know, on the macro level, that means when you come up against poor teams, you show them your class, you dominate them. There's no excuses with, you know, tired legs at this stage. We've got a young squad who ain't even playing half the games that a lot of the other teams have. You got Wolves now. Wolves is a tough game. They're hard, they're hard to break down, but we beat them a couple of weeks, you know, a couple of days ago, basically, like last week, or, or, or you know, our last game or whatnot. And there's no reason why we wouldn't go into that game full of confidence. We're now at home. They're obviously going to be a little bit more conservative in the way that they approach us. But the one thing that I took from Wolves is they don't look particularly scary. It was great to see him crush Tottenham Hotspur at their ground. That was hilarious. But, you know, you've got people like Dendonka knocking goals in. These aren't like people running riot on you. you. You know, we are a robust outfit now. We look good defensively, which is what is so encouraging. You know, Porter have conceded that goal at the end there. But still, we got the win. And that's why that was that Saka goal was so important. Um, but we have to put teams like this to the sword. If we get that win against Wolves, I think that there will be no stopping us. Watford, poor, poor outfit. They are a really poor outfit. They are shipping goals for fun. Not only that, but they carry a bit of a threat with the likes of Dennis. Josh King has a bit of pace. But I think that defensively, you know, and the fact that we've got a good keeper, we won't be going in there worried about what Watford have to bring to the party. We won't. And as you rightfully said, Leicester City, my God. I mean, shambles. They, they're all over the gaff. And, and they can hurt us at the back. They've got quality up front. But they look very porous at the back. And this is when I'm saying that if it's Smithrow, if it's Martinelli, if it's Saka, they have to step up. They have to score goals. Because Leicester are a team that can score goals, but they can definitely concede them. So I'd like to see us to stamp our authority over this whole, you know, top four race, if you call it that, and get three wins out of the next three. Go into that Liverpool game not needing the result. Now, apart from that, obviously, you know, people are 
might be like you're being a bit, you know, potentially overconfident, but I'm just talking about us becoming assertive, starting to feel what Arteta has been trying to do, in my opinion, is to try to convince the players because so much of it is about the mental strength, it's the mental side of it. When you start to believe that you genuinely are that good, you start stepping onto that field against Watford and go, guess what, guys? You've got something coming for you. You're going to get a hiding because that's what we're dishing out and, and we should be doing that. So when we head into that Liverpool game, it's not playing through desperation and it is instead, the only thing we have is an opportunity to show that we really ain't far off, you know, being able to challenge those, you know, those big clubs. It's, it's the next step, just like we did with City. We didn't even get the win but they walked off that pitch knowing that we outplayed them that day. And I'd love to see that happen in that Liverpool game. But if we are to assert ourselves, remove a lot of the pressure away from that final run-in, win these next three games, and I think we'll be, we'll be impossible to stop barring, you know, a catastrophe. So the onus is on us now to beat down these teams that are below. Because the other thing, as much as, as encouraging as that league position is, where we are and we should be encouraged, if Wolves beat us at home, which I definitely hope they don't. They move two points behind us, same games. So, you know, you're never too far away from the bad side of things. We've got to assert ourselves, show that we're here. For, we're, we're the real deal. We're here. We mean business. And I think we can do it. Yeah, listen, I, I don't disagree with you. A bit alarming that Spurs have gone 1-0 up against Manchester City um, as we're watching live. But I, I, I think, I feel like we are a better team uh, I feel like there is more momentum. I feel like there's more character in our squad. I think the only concern that I have is our injuries. Um, I'm still a little bit worried about goals. Just doesn't seem to be dropping for Alex Lacazette. And at some point, that's going to, you know, it, it's it's a problem now. But, it, you know, I wonder whether there's going to be a, a bit of a shift and maybe Martinelli um, moves into the middle. But overall, we're 15 games in. I don't expect to beat Liverpool, but it'd be great to get a point or to at least challenge them. You know, Norwich went 1-0 up against them today. I don't think that they've got the same air of invincibility um, that they had in seasons past. Um, and I think Chelsea are beatable. I really think Chelsea are beatable. And I, I think that, that would be a massive statement. They've, you know, they're like I'm, I'm listening to Thomas Tuchel talking in the press about Lukaku not settling. It's like, that's a 29 year old 90 million pound striker you're talking about him like it's Eddie Nketiah or something it's um it, it's shocking um, well if you listen to you Pete uh Eddie Nketiah is the guy and he's got it all ahead of him but there you go sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there mate just want to yeah punctuate but, but, your uh, statements and, and, and I think I think that 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 is something just generally that I think if we are going to make top four like the point about Eddie Nketiah you, you've got to bring him in you've got to bring him into the mixer a little bit more you've got to bring Nico in a little bit more. Like he, I thought he was great when he came on today. He asks different questions that the players that were on the pitch couldn't ask. And then I, I you know, I, I do I do want to go on to um this big question next because you touched on it briefly, but um Martinelli or the Smith uh is is the big question that a lot of people will be talking about, or is it um Martinelli or Lacazette? Do you play all of them? Like what's the um what's the mix that you go with? against Wolves on Thursday because Martinelli was in good form, but the reality is he's not scoring. And and, and I don't even I don't even feel like he really looks like he's he's gonna score at the moment. He's not like uh you know he, he's problematic and I think he's better for our play and bringing other players into it. But he hasn't 
he doesn't look the goal scoring threat. He's not getting four or five chances per game. I haven't got the stats to back that up. It's just sort of a, a bit of a feeling. But like, where? How would you roll with for the Wolves game? So this is where I think a lot of Arsenal fans. You know, we've had loads of people in the chat. We do see what you're saying. A lot of people pushing for that. You know, the Fantastic Four. Get them all on the pitch at once. Get Lacquer out. Martinelli up top. Um, the Smith and and Starboy on the wings, and then Erdegaard in behind. Now, the thing is, is I I wouldn't actually do that. And I'll I'll caveat that with the fact that I'm happy, you know, in the long journey that we've all come on during certainly the course of this podcast running, I'm happy to go with Arteta's judgment on this. If he's seeing that Martinelli's ready, and I will also add in, in addition to that, Pepe as a solution as well, because, you know, we should all be very realistic about the possibility that Pepe, who is almost definitely playing for his future at the club, and we'll have to come. We'll have to come. Keep coming on and and causing havoc against teams that he's playing against and making the difference. Um, if he is going to have a future at Arsenal, maybe he is a potential solution instead of Lacazette. Um, I don't think that from what based on what I've seen from Pepe up to now, I'm that enamoured with that idea. Just because I think that at times he can look a bit confused and he, he, his head can easily go down when he gets a couple of kicks. He's, you know, the one thing about Lacquer is he keeps going. <laughs> you know, he, he might yeah. he miss shock, shocking chances sometimes, not clinical at the top level anymore, but he will keep ploughing. Even that chance that fell to Erdegaard, that was lack of backing into bigger guys than he is, you know, just causing problems, creating uh, problems with his energy and his enthusiasm. Pepe is a guy who can be, you know, have his um, energy kicked out of him sometimes. Martinelli, conversely, is not necessarily he's someone who is going to hound, but... I don't necessarily think that, based on what I've seen up until this point, Martinelli looks like he has enough. Um, he has bundles of energy. He's got great ability on the ball. But in terms of that ability to take the ball into feet, hold people off, big strong back, Kenny Dalglish ass, you know, stick that out and then work off people. Not sure that he's about to, he's ready to do that yet. If Arteta has seen that he can, because what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, there will have to be a development in Martinelli's game. You know, much like we used to see with Wenger, um, where he used to start not only, most famously, Thierry Henry, but a lot of his attackers out wide. Theo Walcott, he was crying to play central centre-forward for a long time, and he was constantly getting put wing in, a, in, a, in, a, in order to develop his game so he would have the skill set to be able to play up top. I see Martinelli, you know, in, in a similar boat. Not, I'm not talking about levels of talent, but in terms of ways they need to develop their game to be a central striker. If Arteta's seen enough, happy to go with Martinelli. But if not, for all of the shortcomings that Lacazette provides, he does still do the other stuff. But what it does mean is it means that those players playing in our wing forward positions, you have to score goals. You have to. There's no there's no other way around it. If you're not creating or scoring goals, you don't deserve to be in that, in that team because those areas of the field have to be producing goals. And I'll include Martin Erdegaard in that as well. If you get chances, you're going to have to finish them. These people have to be clinical. Um, and against a, a Wolves team who look very resolute at the back, you know, I, I would I would actually say at the moment, stick with a hot hand. And that is, if Smith Rowe, he's, had, he's, he's done his time on the bench, if he wants to come in and score a goal, he should start the next game. And for me, unless again, unless 
Arteta has seen something different. I would start Laka and have Martinelli and Pepe as early substitutions if we're not looking coherent to come on with bags of energy and, and to be told in no uncertain terms, particularly in the case of Pepe, not so much Martinelli, obviously, but you're playing for your future. Go on and do something. Don't come off here. You know, I, I don't want to see you rooting around in your pockets like you ain't got anything. Come back with something for me. You know, bring back the goods. I need goals and assists. That's what pays the bills these days. And if you don't do it, you're not going to be starting for Arsenal because that's the level that we want to be achieving and playing at. Yeah. And, you know, I think you're absolutely bang on, Johnny. I think it it really is easy to um, to bag on, um, on Lacazette. I want to... Oh, I want to show you. Uh, I want to see if I can share a screen. I always get horrified um, that I'm going to share something awful. Um, yeah, this, this is you in a thong this, right now. Yeah, no. Uh, oh, <laughs> that, that's that's not me. But I think this is going to work. So I'm going to share. I'm going to share a little table. Can you see that? Yeah. There we All go. All right. So um, anyone listening at home, um, Pete's just shared some personal photos of himself. As I say, in a thong, uh, like dental floss, hair everywhere. Don't you don't that, want to see it. That wasn't that, that wasn't me. That was my dad. Um, so uh, I've got I've got a table up. People, it's under the website's understat. People hate it when I splice tables, but um, I think I, I've proven my metal when it comes to splicing tables because I'm usually pretty bang on. And this table here is Arsenal since we dropped Aubameyang. So post. Um, we, uh, th- this is from the 6th of December, uh, from the 8th of December. I think we dropped uh, Aubameyang after Everton. Is that correct? Oh, no, it was maybe maybe it was before. Maybe it was a little bit before. So we'll go, um, we'll go before. So Arsenal uh, in the Premier League, since we dropped Aubameyang, we've got 19 points from nine games. Uh, we've got the third most goals in the league and we've got the third best defence. Um, it's hard to say that Lacazette is a negative, is what I'm trying to get from this. Like Lacazette is a, a 100% bona fide positive to the way that we play. 100%. And, and, yep. and you know, I, I think, it, you know, it's almost like um, Giroud for France in the yep. World Cup. He won the World Cup, didn't score any goals. Are you gonna are you gonna say the, the the French team played with ten players to win a World Cup? Absolutely not. And the struggle that we have is, I don't think Enketia uh, can't do what Lacazette does from a linking perspective, and Martinelli, um, I don't think he has the the strength or the experience right now um, to deliver against it. So I, I think yeah, I think we'll probably stick with um, Lacazette, and I think the most interesting one is going to be. Does he go with Smith Rowe or Martinelli? Because it, it could be an either or, you know, could be an either or game. But I wonder because Wolves are so good at defending, whether some of that sort of in, incisive passing round the corner movement that Smith Rowe offers up might be preferential. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, no. Look, I, I think I, I was saying for a long time about playing Lacazette and what he offers in terms of, you know extracurricular benefits outside of scoring goals, which you might deem to be the central role of a striker. Um, and, and and I do still think that he is producing it. And if there was any doubt that Lacquer might play his way into form in terms of being clinical, that seems to have gone out the window. Some chances again today, like, come on, mate. You know what I mean? Um, 
But this is what I'm saying about I don't mind Lacazette playing, but Saka has to score goals. Oh, Smith City. Rowe has to. City just hit the post. Oh, City have it the post. Well, I still think they can get the job done against Spurs. Spurs are particularly easy to be bullied, and uh, City have got too much class for them. I think they'll turn it on. But, um, you know, we digress. Either way, I think that Lacazette, um, for Lacazette to continue his involvement in the team, his players around him have to pick up, you know, for the deficit that Lacazette brings with him, which is that, that lack of goals. And the players around him have to show through their, you know, end product that they enjoy playing with him, that he brings... Look, look, at the end of the day, let's get realistic. Lacazette got an assist today for Smithrow. Yeah, the fact he is, did. The fact is, is, you know, it was from 30 yards out, he just spread it wide. But part of what this is, think about what Aubameyang used to do. Constantly trying to play on the shoulder of a player, of a defender. The ball never comes. Our plays break down. Lacazette, I'm dropping deep. Knock it out wide. Right, I'm playing that ball early. So Smithrow is now running at some, you know, some whack defender from Brentford and giving him twisted blood. And then when he does, whack. See you later. I keep telling you, Raya, stop diving. You're embarrassing yourself, mate. And uh, at the end of the day, he, he smacked it in. And then suddenly there was an air of calmness that started to come over the team. That goals, goals do that. And I think that, you know, this might be stating the obvious, but we seem like a team at the moment that are crying out for early goals. If early goals come in the games, for us, I mean, yeah, you can see the whole team relaxes and starts to play in a way that we play with a, a with an assurity about us, an assurance, I should say, um, that basically will see us over the line against poorer teams because we're not as defensive. Do you remember those old days we used to, uh, go, you know, go one nil up and you used to feel like, well, we're never going to keep a clean sheet. Now, yeah, we are going to keep a clean sheet more than likely, but. When we calm down, we can give them, all these teams, nightmares. And I think this Wolves game is looking like an absolute blockbuster game for us. Because if we win, we will completely, completely take the initiative in this race. And unless Spurs do beat City, which, you know, is not out of the realms of possibility, but I do think City are too good for them, um, then it will be completely in our hands. It will be in our hands anyway. But I think, you know... Winning those three games, I think we'll have enough to get over the line. I'm just conscious, Pete. I have, have a very hard out today, and I think we definitely need to talk about one elephant in the room, and that is Granite Xhaka. <laughs> well, you put Xhaka advanced position as the banner. But... I should have said, oh, God, I actually got the wrong one because I wrote in the other one. Captain's armband is Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know. A bit, uh, like, very petulant. <laughs> like, yeah. I... I just don't get it. Like, why do you want to create that drama? Do you know what? I'm go- We've not been afraid to bash Granite Xhaka on this podcast. I'm sure any podcast you listen to, there's a, a fair bit of Xhaka hate that gets trudged up because, um, you know, he, he's that kind of divisive player. I'm coming to his defence here. Yeah. And I actually going to say this. I back him. I 100% back Xhaka for this. And, that, and the reason for this is this. because And similarly, I am not... Uh, a kind of Arsenal fan watches the games and just slags anything, anyone off who does anything kind of against us or whatever. Like even when Xhaka swore at the fans, I was at the game that day, I was staring. I think he was actually swearing at me, but uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. But um, the fact is, is even in that moment, I do think he deserved to have the uh, armband stripped from him because of, because he shouldn't be a captain acting that way. However, 
you know, these Arsenal fans that have this bizarre sense of entitlement that you can abuse a player and they're never allowed to say anything to you. No, get realistic, okay? You get on his back and guess what? He told you what to do with yourself. I don't really have a problem with it too much. You, you can't be a captain acting like that. But guess what? Sometimes these human beings react. Now, yes. with regards to the armband, if you strip the armband off him and say, you are not captain material, then don't don't come at me with 20 minutes to go and go, go on then, mate, wear it for the end. No, you told me I'm not captain material. I've, I want to play for the club. I've told you I want to play for the club, but I don't want to be captain anymore. Because guess what? All that I've done up to now is what Xhaka uh, gone Jack, okay? I'm going to keep doing what Granite Xhaka does. And you've told me that that's not good enough to be the captain. So listen, you ain't getting me as captain. And the fact is, it went to Kieran Tierney, which is probably where it's going to end up, you know, in the long run yeah. anyway. But let's not get on Xhaka's back for being petulant. Actually, he just fell in line with what Arteta and those before him have said, and lots of the fans have said, he didn't want to be captain. Good luck to him. Johnny, I, I, I honestly totally agree with you. I think this, oh, it's, it's an honour to be the captain. No, no, not so much when you're, you know, someone's threatening to kill your family uh, after you swear at them. I don't think it is much of an honour. Uh, the, the criticism I would have would probably be levelled at Arteta. Did, did you not have that conversation? Did you not say, listen, I'll be one of your three captains, but don't ever give me the armband at the home ground again? Just, uh, you know, it, it felt like a very uncomfortable position. It was almost a bit like Eddie and Ketia was the child at the table with two parents that were going to get divorced. And it's like, tell your mum. <laughs> right. Uh, watching him run around with that captain's hand, but that's a little bit embarrassing. But yeah, I'm, I'm, look, if you don't want to be the captain, uh, it, it, it was, it, that, you know, that captain's armband probably signals, uh, signifies a lot of bad memories for him. But outside that, I do want to talk about um, Jacker's new performance. Um, Rohan, who writes for Gunnerstown, Gave me a bit of an education piece um, on Jacker's position. He's taken up an advanced position now, and it's difficult for teams to understand what he's doing. You know, he, he was he was very uh, very much on the left side at the start. Didn't really take up that deeper position that was left to Thomas Partey, and it causes um, caused some problems today. And I think Granite Jacker makes mistakes, does dumb stuff with red cards. We know that's going to come, but he's not our biggest problem. Like he, he really isn't. And um, I, I think we're a better team with him in the midfield. I think what the captain's armband refusal did tell you is he's not as wedded to the club as, as many people think. I think if he gets an opportunity to go to Roma this summer, I think he will absolutely take that. And I think we'll upgrade. Maybe we'll get someone like Tillemans or whoever else is on our radar, uh, you know, uh, uh, Renato Sanchez. And then we'll upgrade the midfield. But I think he's doing a good job this season. And uh, I, I agree with you. Like, don't criticise him for not taking the captain's armband if you abused him in the stadium um, for his little incident. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, in right. terms of, you know, I'll just uh, just jump off the end of that uh, quickly. You know, Xhaka, whatever the position is, you know, you're talking about his advanced position because in, you know, games previously, he'd been maybe a bit more deeper lying with with party. But what, what we are seeing is a partnership with them two, which is starting to feel much, much more settled now. They know what each other are capable of. Um, you know, the whole team just seems a lot more settled now. And it's perfectly in line to be able to, perfectly aligned, I should say, to be able to get us over the line in this. If, unfortunately, Jacker is a very key player for us as because we didn't strengthen in the summer. And yes, Tielemans is absolutely someone we should be looking all over 
in um, in the summer. And why shouldn't we, you know? Obviously, if we get top four, that task should be looking a lot, lot more easier. And I think oh, we're yeah. exactly the kind of club that he'll want to come in uh, and uh, you know to uh, bed in with Thomas Party with. But you know, we've got a lot of players who fair play to Xhaka. Even in a game like this, he stepped up and he performed well today. I thought I was quite impressed with what Xhaka did. Um, but this is what he does. I think that if, on, the, on the Xhaka clock that we've all got, the countdown says that we're about one or two games away from the next red card. So well done for your game today. Um, and yeah, we'll just have to try and remember these good days when he's getting sent off next and uh, causing us all to have heart palpitations. Exactly. Well, I think we can cap that off. We're uh, we're at one minute to call time. Johnny, where can people find you on the internet? I'm at iJohnnyCochran. Do come and follow me, people. Always appreciate a little follow and like a little chat on Twitter about all things Arsenal. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that I'm doing at the moment away from football, comedy-wise, and you're most likely to hear about it if I am... Well, if you follow me on Twitter and I'll let you know. So thanks, everyone, for joining. And yeah, come follow me on Twitter or Insta or whatever. And if you are in London today and you see Matt Candela uh, celebrating that Arsenal win, go and say hello. Uh, there might be an Arsenal opinion uh, meetup on Thursday because I'll be in London uh, and I might be trying to get tickets to go and see the game. So uh, we'll see how that goes down. But on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the nice emails. It is a pleasure as always. And we will see you soon. Ciao for now. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.